Man, we're here today. I hope you came to be encouraged to, to really be motivated and inspired to keep running this race called life because, you know, sometimes life can feel a little bit heavy, a little bit overwhelming, and we all get at different places in the race of life. And today we just want to do all we can do to inspire your faith in God's amazing grace so that you can keep running and enduring this thing called life and finish the race and finish it well. We're in a series that we have titled Manage the Monkeys because if you don't manage the monkeys, then the monkeys will manage you. And we've been talking about this phrase of that we know called the monkey is on my back, meaning that I'm feeling way down and life is heavy and I don't know if I can keep on keeping on. And our goal in this teaching series is to inspire you to get the monkeys off of your back and move forward with life in the way that God would intend for you to live a life. We're so honored you came uh, today. But can I tell you, like any race, if you're going to finish and finish well, you have to have this thing called endurance, don't you? You have to have endurance. And you know, anybody can get out there. Well, I, I say anybody. <laughs> Most people can get out there and sprint 10 yards. But can you run the marathon? Do you have the endurance to finish the race? And, and the Bible talks a lot about endurance. And I just looked up the definition of endurance. And this is the definition. It's the power to withstand pain or hardship, the ability or strength to continue despite fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions. And you know, we're all under adverse conditions. So how do we keep on keeping on in this thing called life, even when we're stressed, when there's pain, when there's, you know what, when there's heaviness, whenever uh, things are going on in our life? I believe God's word is here to help us, and I believe that he's going to build uh, some endurance in our faith today. So I want to encourage you today to go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter uh, 24 and chapter 25 and go ahead and mark those on your uh, smartphone there or else the, the uh, written Bible that you have there in your hand, you know, whatever you're holding today, because God is really going to encourage your faith in a powerful way today and, and build endurance. You know, interesting thing is, is endurance is something that is, is tweaked up and it's little small adjustments we make on a consistent basis that allows us to have endurance. In other words, endurance isn't something you just develop in a day, is it? And so the Bible talks a lot about us, about us people of God being people of endurance, people of perseverance, people that keep on keeping on. But I know this, that sometimes life can, can kind of take the wind out of our sails, kind of put the monkey on our back. And so I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter one, and we're going to discover where this adversity came from, because this adversity in our life is not what God intended for us to hold on to or 
be about in the beginning as he created man and woman, as he created human beings, those, those people like you and me. And the Bible talks about the perfect place and the perfect environment where God created Adam and Eve and he put uh, the earth together and put man and woman in the earth. And it's interesting because he intended for man and woman to work in the earth and to manage the earth, but not underneath the circumstances that we experience today a lot of times. And man and woman missed the mark of the way God designed it to be. That's what the word sin you hear a lot, you sinner, you know, that's really what it means is missing the mark of God's glorious standard, the standard that God set up and sin is missing the mark. And the Bible says, because the first man and the first woman missed the target of what God set up, that it infected the whole entire human race. And we've all missed the mark. But we can discover that that's not how God designed it to be. And we can literally begin to hit the mark with our life and live out who God has created us to be right here in 2017. So God created the, uh, he created the earth. He put man and woman in it. And this is the account it says about that. And I want to read it to you in verse 26 because a lot of people don't understand God created them to manage or to steward. To, to do something with their life. In other words, God didn't just say, hey, let me put these robots on earth and you know what? They just do what I tell them to do. No, God put us there in his image. Bible says God created us in his image. Listen to what it says. It says, God said, let us make human beings in our image. What is the image of God? And he's not talking about the physical characteristics necessarily. He's talking about the characteristics that the Godhead has. What are the characteristics that the Godhead has? The characteristics that the Godhead has is is he is in charge of all of creation. He is in charge of the entire universe. He made the heavens and the earth. And he says, now we're going to create human beings and we're going to put them on this planet called earth. And they're going to. They're going to represent us. They're going to be a spitting image of who we are. And my intentions is for them to manage, be little kings and queens on the earth and manage the earth. Look what it says. He goes on to say this. He says, they will reign. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. He says, so God, it says, so God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, you can't do this just by yourself. There's a whole lot more animals and things to manage than you can personally do. So be fruitful and multiply. In other words, create more human beings. And he goes on to say, fill the earth and govern it. Fill the earth and manage it. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees 
for your food, and I have given every green plant its food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. In other words, I've made provision. All I need you to do is manage the earth that I've created and make provision for. Goes on to say this, and that is what happened. And then God looked all over all that he had made and he saw it. And it was, he saw that it was very, very good. It was very good. And so if God created us to manage the earth, manage life, why is life managing so many of us? If God created you to manage life, why does life manage you and manage me? If God created us to rule and reign over this earth and manage the animals, why are the animals and the monkeys managing us? And the reason is, is because man and woman step from underneath God's plan and this thing called faith, they misappropriated it and put it in the wrong object. In other words, they put their hope no longer in God who is in relationship as the provider for them. They put their hope in what God told them to manage and they trusted it over God himself. God said, subdue the earth, govern the earth. But what happens is what God put man and woman over seduced them. And they begin to trust the voice of the enemy through a serpent in the garden and miss the mark of God's glorious standard instead of trusting the God of the universe, the creator himself and putting their full, complete faith and trust in him and what he said. Wow. So today, you know what? Our faith can still be misappropriated. The faith that you and I have, and you have faith, it can can be distracted and misappropriated so, so easy. You have faith. Many of us have faith in ourselves, our own well-being and what we what we produce and what we do. But if you don't have complete, you don't take that faith and put that faith in God. Faith is confident hope or, or confidence in, in what you hope for and it's assurance in things you have not seen. If you don't take that faith and get it appropriated in the right God and the God of the universe and the God of creation and the God of you and me, and we take it and trust something else with that faith, then we miss the mark of God's glorious standard. How easy is it to put your faith in what you see than what God has said? And if it was easy for the first man in the perfect palatial place to get their faith misappropriated, how much easier is it for you and me? to get our faith misappropriated. Because I can tell you, there's some luscious things in God's creation that the enemy will convince you to trust over the God who created them. 
And God never intended for you and I to trust what in his creation over him. He intends for us to trust the creator over the creation. But many of us, we worship the creation. Oh, this is heaven. I put my faith in going and laying out on the beach in the sun and watching the ocean come in. This is heaven. It ain't heaven. It it, it may be a, a snapshot of some glorious things in God's eternal kingdom. But if your faith and that's all you're running after in life and that's what you're hoping for, you, you, need, you need to get your hopes up today. You, you need to get your hopes higher. You need to get your confidence in more than just the small little creation of the ocean. Man, some of you are like, this, this man, if I can land this man, whoo, honey, life is going to be incredible. I'm just telling you, that man is apt to let your hopes down. And, and if, you, if you don't understand this today and you put your faith in all of these objects and all of these things that are not God, then what happens is the monkeys begin to pile up on your back and weigh you down where God says, hey, let's get your faith appropriated in the right thing. And then, you know what, let's build some endurance in that faith so that faith keeps on keeping on. And then I'll get the monkey off of your back instead of you always walking around like, oh, crap, how did I get in this spot? How did I? You missed the mark, my friend. <laughs> you missed the mark of God's glorious standard. But I'm here to declare, you, to, declare, to declare to you today that God don't want you to keep missing the mark. God wants you to have life and have it to the full. And he wants you to experience him fully and amazing. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, as the writer wrote the church at Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it's not by your work that you are salvaged, that you are made right with God. It says it is by grace through our faith. And it's a gift. Everybody say gift gift from God. So to get back in a right relationship with God after you miss the target, miss the mark of his glorious standard, can't be done by you. God has given a gift to help you, to help you understand who he is so you can understand who you are and begin to live out who he's created you and me to be. And that gift has a name. And his name is Jesus. He is God's unmerited favor to humanity. He paid the price for your mess and my mess because he never missed. And the Bible says he never missed at life. He never missed at who he was who he was in the human form. He was nailed to a cross. And because he never missed that death couldn't even hold him in the ground, he had the very power in him to resurrect from a grave. Wow. And that's good news. But that power is available to you today too. So why are you carrying all the monkeys? Why are the monkeys managing you? 
instead of you managing the monkey. I believe it's because the very faith that you have needs endurance, and the very faith that I have needs endurance because it's enduring faith that gets us to the end of the race. That helps us finish and finish well. It's enduring faith. One time when Jesus was a grown man and he was doing ministry in the part of the world that he was doing ministry in, there were religious leaders of that day that knew all about the Old Testament as we have today in our modern day. They knew all about the Old Testament, the law of Moses, the you know, uh, the, the, the writings of the prophets, the, the teachings of the prophets that God was going to send a substitute for our mess. And they knew all about it and they were looking for that substitute. And that substitute was known to many of them as a liberator, one that would liberate them and give them a freedom again. But they began to trust in, you know what, in, in the liberator to do something that God never intended for him to do. They just thought that he was going to be a political leader and release them from underneath oppression of different people's rule. And so they started looking for the liberator through the wrong lens. And the Bible says that the liberator was coming to, to help us hit the mark of God's glorious standard to free us from the penalty of missing the mark of God's glorious standard. And God had given them ways to remember that this Messiah, this liberator was coming. And that's why he put in the sacrificial system throughout the Old Testament so that they could look forward by faith to the Messiah, the liberator that God would send for humanity's mess. Now we live on the other side of this Jesus coming, this liberator coming and paying the price on the cross. And we look back towards the liberator. So the difference in them and us is they look forward with their faith in this liberator. Now we look back with our faith in the liberator, but we're all headed for the same exact goal, which is eternity with God in a real God who came to make us right with him so we could live in an eternal relationship with him and be who he's created us to be. And by the way, God is building a kingdom and you and I are going to have the opportunity to manage and manage well in that kingdom that God is building. You and I will have opportunity to manage portions of God's amazing kingdom as the Bible talks about, depending on how we manage today in the the particular environment that we're in. Bible says God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth where we ain't going to miss the mark, where there's no more pain, where there's no more sorrow, where there's no more monkeys to get on your back and my back. And you and I are going to have the opportunity to manage and manage well there. Wow. That's something to look forward to. But when Jesus was alive, this group of people he was ministering to began to ask him about the end of the world. Because they were ready for their, their new world to begin. 
And so they were asking basically from a political point of view, but, but Jesus answers them with an eternal view in mind. And he begins to talk to them about having faith that endures to the end instead of worrying about when the race was going to end. They ask him a question in Matthew 24. And he answers that question with three stories about, you know what, you need to stop worrying about when the end is going to happen. And you need to build endurance in your faith. Because it's your faith that matters. And my gift of grace. It's not when I call it quits on this earth. You need to have endurance for your faith. And so if you're stressed out today because you think the world might end in 2017. And you just don't know if you can get it all done. Before this world ends. Jesus says, get your mind off of that. And get your mind on your faith. And endure with your faith until the end. If you think that, you know what? Hey, you know what? I got cancer and I think it's all going to be over when I clock out of this life. In other words, this is all there is to life. And that's got you weighed down. I hope God lifts that burden from you today. And gives your faith a little bit of endurance. Because life is eternal, my friend. And it's not over when you clock out of of this life. God created us to be eternal beings. And Jesus begins to speak about having a faith that endures all, all things and He's asked this question in Matthew, Matthew 24, and I want to read it to us. And, and he said, they said, you know, Jesus, when will the end of the, end of the age happen? When will the end of the world happen? And Jesus answers against the backdrop of that question. Many will turn away from me and betray, and they will hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive, will deceive many people. He says, sin, missing the mark, will be rampant everywhere. In other words, people won't be stressed out about their misses anymore. They won't be even thinking about their misses anymore because they won't even understand that they're missing. He says, he says it's going to be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. He says, but the one, the one who endures, let's say that word together, who endures, let's say endures together, endures to the end, will be saved. The one who has endurance for their faith and my gift of grace will be salvaged from all this calamity and this this world full of sin. He says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached Throughout the whole world, so that all nations, every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will hear it. And then the end of this age, the end of this world will happen. But he goes on to talk about no no person, no angel in heaven knows the day nor the hour. 
And there's so many of us that we get into Google and we're looking at all these predictions or whatever else. And Jesus is like, you know, it's fine to wonder. However, you know what? Get your mind off of that and get your heart filled with this faith in my grace. And you don't even have to worry about it. You're going to be able to endure all the way to the end. And God's going to do amazing things in your life. And Jesus says, you know, some of us are focused on the wrong thing. The end of this world. And I believe the only reason you would be worried about when the end of this is going to happen. Is if you didn't trust in eternal things. And you didn't hope. Your hope wasn't higher than what you're experiencing now. And if your hope's higher than what you're experiencing now, I believe you're like, well, I hope it comes tomorrow. But I'm going to live life today as it might be 50 years from now. Because my hope is in something, you know what, that is greater than I am. And I'm not sitting around all my time with the worryation of, oh, shoot, when is it all going to be over here? Because I have an eternal perspective towards life and my friends the only way you can begin to have that eternal perspective towards life is for your faith to be appropriated in the right object and begin to understand that there's a God who wants you to live with him forever and ever and ever man and woman misappropriated their faith and trusted what God put them over instead of letting God be over them and the wheels came off in the garden What are you trusting above God today? What is your faith in above God? Is it that person sitting next to you? Is it? Is it the next day that you have? Is it your job? I know. Maybe it's your 401k. The stock market's going out of the roof right now. Maybe that's what your faith is in. Anybody glad the stock market's going up? (laughs) Thought you was. All of those things are great things and incredible things. But if your faith gets misappropriated in those things, you're going to miss at life. And those things are going to take over you instead of you having ability to rule and reign over them. God never intended for money to rule and reign your life. God never intended for that person sitting next to you to rule and reign your life. God never intended, you know what, uh, for your children to rule and reign your life. God intended to be the ruler and reigner of your life and you and I to govern what he has put underneath our authority. But so many times we get it backwards and we trust what we should rule and reign over instead of instead of ruling and reigning over it and trusting God is going to rule and reign over us and give us the ability to manage what he has given us to manage. And so they're worried about the end of time. Then Jesus gives three stories as Jesus does about here's a way to to get your faith to to have endurance so it finishes and finishes well 
in me. First story is found in Matthew 24. And I, I wrote it down this way. If you really want your faith to have endurance, then, then stay engaged. Stay engaged. If you don't stay engaged, your, your faith is going to weaken. And your faith could easily get distracted and get in the wrong object. And if you stay engaged in God's mission and God's plan, then chances are, you know what? You're going to remember God's grace whenever you're able to deliver God's grace. And God's grace and unmerited favor is delivered to you. And you're engaged in God's plan here on earth. And you're you're a distributor of grace to other people. And Jesus says, you want to endure to the end? He tells a story about getting involved. Let me show it to you. He says, a faithful and sensible servant is one to whom the master can give responsibility of managing the other household servants and feeding them. A faithful servant is one that God can give responsibility to. If the master returns and he finds that that servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. There will be a reward. Let that motivate your faith. He says, I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. Jesus here is referring to his second return. He's using an analogy of a master going away and coming back, and he's, he's finding faithful servants. He says this faithful servant, if he's engaged and he's doing what he's been entrusted to do, then you know what? He's going to be found in good standings with his faith, and he's never going to lose sight of my what, what I intend for his faith to be appropriated in, and he can move forward with life. He says, but if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, oh, that Jesus, he ain't coming back. He says, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk, just living life here and not being responsible. He says, the master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut that servant to pieces and assign him to a place with the hypocrites and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth is your faith going to endure to the end and i do believe that this is a way one of the ways to build endurance in your faith is to be involved in what god has given us responsibility to be involved with and that's kingdom business how involved are you in God's work here on earth? How involved are you in the local church? Let me put it in a vernacular that you understand. Because see, we are kingdom citizens. We have been paid a high price by the God of the universe on a cross. And we have been removed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You are now a kingdom of God child, a kingdom citizen with an assignment and a responsibility. On planet earth, while we are on this mission. And the responsibility is to help other people understand who the king is and the one that came to pay a high price for them. 
And as you're distributing this grace, it's a great reminder to you and me of the grace that was lavished upon us. How many times do you do ministry and realize how much God ministered to you? Because as you're doing ministry, it's a great reminder of one of the things that will last forever according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it is called love. The Bible says there's three things that will last forever. Beyond this life. Faith, hope, and love. And I do believe when I'm involved in God's business, I'm constantly reminded of God's love. If my heart is in tune and has faith in the grace that was distributed to me, then I become a distributor of amazing grace. Unmerited favor of God. In other words, I realize the favor didn't just come to me. The favor is to get through me into other people. And so many think the blessing just comes to them and the blessings of God's favor comes to us so that God can get the blessing through us. So Jesus says, you want a faith that will endure to the end? Hey, stay engaged. Number two is this. He tells another story in the very next chapter, Matthew 25, from verse 1 through verse 13. He says, hey, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that I'm the king over, he says, will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. He's referring to an object in a wedding that they would grab hold of in that particular day. And he says, five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the others the other five were wise and, and they took enough along. When the bridegroom was delayed, in other words, he didn't show up immediately when they thought he was going to show up. He says, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Remember, he's talking to an audience of Jewish people that were picking up what he's putting down. And he's basically saying, look, you know what? Some of you are drowsy right now. And he says, at midnight, they were aroused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bride, bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my life ready with faith when it gets closer to the end of time. This is why people make faith decisions a lot of times. Whenever accidents happen. And whenever things begin to go south in their life, they're like, well, shoot. I really can't put hope in this life. I really can't put hope in myself. I really can't put hope in, in her or him or, you know, the relationship. And, 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 and so a lot of times, you know what, people have to get at the, to the end of themselves, as Matthew 5 says. It says, it says, blessed are those who are at the end of themselves because now they have the opportunity to trust in me. See, I believe it's a, 
It's easy to trust in ourselves, and we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and instead of trusting in God, letting him lord over us and manage us as we manage what he has given us to manage and recognize everything comes from him. But what happens a lot of times, people are like, I'm just going to get ready at the last minute. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then I'll get my lamp ready at the last minute. Really? Let me show you what it says. He says... At midnight, they were roused with a shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and, and, and meet. All the bridesmaids got up to prepare their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, hey, we don't have enough for all of us. Hey, get out to the shop and buy your own for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. And then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, they said, uh, the, the, the other five bridesmaids returned. They stood outside calling, Lord, 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 Jesus, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must, he says, you too must keep watch, keep focus, keep your faith focused. For you do not know the day or the hour when all of this is going to happen, when I'm going to return. So what Jesus is saying here is, is basically keep your vessel full at all times. And, 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 and the Bible teaches that we are to be filled full of the Spirit of God at all times. To, to be filled with God at all times. Okay? When does God enter a human being? The moment that person takes their faith and appropriates it to God's gift of grace, his name is Jesus, then God empowers. Grace is an empowering agent. Grace is the favor of God. And he empowers that person, you know what, to begin to live life as he intends for them to live life. But the dispenser sometimes doesn't stay full and daily you have to keep replenishing what is being, what is, is spilling out of you. And he says, if you want your faith to endure, stay close to me. And you know what? Let me feel your life each and every day. Cause, cause here's the deal. If you don't, something else is going to fill your life and your faith is going to diminish. I'm telling you, the person on the road will fill your life. The media will fill your life. You know what? The doctor will fill your life. Your bank account and what you see will fill your life. And he says, hey, you want to keep your face strong? Just keep filling up on me. Let me fill your life. And your faith will endure in me all the way to the end. It's by faith. It's by grace through your faith appropriated in God's grace that allows you to be in right standing with God. Grace has a name. Its name is Jesus. He's the perfect sacrifice. Have you taken your faith and put it in that gift of grace? You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't die for it. You can't give for it. You can't do anything but receive it by faith. But most people don't understand what Jesus did. It is by 
the power of God that resurrected him from the grave. And Jesus came to open the door for you to enter into the presence of an almighty, all-powerful, every nowhere at one time God. When man and woman sin in the garden, their sin, their missing the mark, separated them from God. But it did not separate God from them. And see, this is where a lot of people miss it. They think that God is separated from them because of their sin. But no, they're separated from God because of their sin. And God says, I don't want to leave you in that spot of missing. So I'm going to come right down in the middle of your sin and do something about it. I'm going to make a love sacrifice on a cross and I'm going to demonstrate my power and I'm going to resurrect from a grave. And if you can now understand that it is my love and my power that resurrected and you can get your faith in the right thing, then you know what? We can get back on track. But as long as you think it's something else, you're going to stay separated and you're going to keep on missing. Do you grab hold of what Jesus did? He gave you full access to the God on high. No longer do you have to be separated from God because God never wanted to be separated from you. You separated yourself. And God is madly in love with you. As a matter of fact, he went from the very beginning and he wasn't separated from Adam and Eve, though they separated and hid themselves from him. He went and run them down with his amazing grace. And he said, Adam, where are you? See, a lot of people don't grab hold of this. They think God's mad at them. I got to declare to you today, God's madly in love with you. And he sees your sin through the lens of a perfect sacrifice. And it's his son that came from heaven to earth. And gave his life on a cross for you and me. It's a gift from God. And the power that resurrected him is a gift from God. But are you accessing that gift over and over and over? Or are you just letting your faith run dry because you're not constantly filling yourself with the power of the Holy Spirit? Three stories that Jesus says, stop carrying the monkeys and worrying about the end of the time and start building your faith with endurance so you can make it all the way through and continually trust my grace. The third one is this. It's found in Matthew 25. I'm not going to read the whole story for time's sake. So I'll give you something to do when you get home. But I am going to paraphrase real quick. Because not only do you need to, you know what, get engaged. You need to understand, you know what, and and you you got to begin to stay full. But you got to think eternally. It's, It's an eternal kingdom. And what you do here with what God has entrusted to you as a believer in Jesus Christ, as putting your faith in God's grace. What you do here with that gift of grace matters for eternity. And Jesus says, you want to keep your faith sharp? You want to have endurance for your faith? Think eternally. 
He says, because I'm coming back. And the story, let me paraphrase, it's found in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. But he, he compares the kingdom again to, to a king who goes away and entrusts his servants, which would be you and me who has trusted in his grace with responsibility. And he says, according to their ability, this king had some servants. And he gave one five bags of silver, one two bags of silver, and another one one bag of silver. You should go home and read it. It's amazing. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be responsible with what I've entrusted to you. I'm coming back. And when I come back, you're going to give an account, ma'am, for what I entrusted you with. That would cause me to start asking the question right now. What has God entrusted me with? What has God entrusted me with? And I I want my faith to endure. So I... I need to know what God entrusted me with. What has God entrusted me with? Where has God entrusted me to do his kingdom work? Who has God partnered me with? Because we're in the kingdom business. And the kingdom's eternal. And God says, based as a kingdom citizen and trusting in my grace, you know what? Your eternal responsibility is going to be huge. So he says, I'm going away. I'm coming back. When I come back, you're going to give an account. And based on how well you did with what I entrusted to you, guess what? Even more will be given unto you. And the Bible says that, that Jesus tells a story about the master coming back and the master asking the servants to give an account. The one who had five invested it had 10 more. And the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant, your faith was amazing. He says the one who he gave two to came back and said, hey, I got two more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You did good. Come on into my kingdom and here's your responsibility. (laughs) The one that said, well, you didn't trust me with one. And I don't know what he was thinking, but he's like, "I, I didn't have as many as everybody else I don't guess or whatever else and you know I I just did nothing with what you put in my hands oh my gosh he says as a matter of fact my faith was never in you anyway because I thought you were a harsh man and you took a harvest from things you didn't even cultivate And see, if that is how your faith is appropriated towards God, your faith is in the wrong object. Because God don't take. God gives. For God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Ma'am, God is not here to take life from you. God is here to give you more than enough and abundant life. But the one who had been entrusted with something wasn't a faithful servant because he thought that God was a God that was harsh or the king was harsh. And I want to read to you what it says in verse verse 26. But the master replied to this servant. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew 
If this is what you thought, I harvest crops and didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate. Well, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. At least it would have multiplied some. And the truth of the matter is the man's faith was misappropriated. He had never really trusted the master. And then he ordered the master order, take, take that, that gift. I gave that man, that woman, that responsibility to, to really build their faith with, and their faith would endure. Take it away and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because he chose to keep missing with his faith. Instead of appropriating his faith and my gift of grace and enduring with that faith and letting all of my good gifts build him or her into what I've created them to be. And and, and see, what happens is, you know, a lot of us have been given the opportunity to step towards God's gift of grace. His name is, is Jesus But I just got to tell you today that stepping towards that grace is in this gift from God is actually the beginning of when you trust Christ and his death on a cross. You know what? That is really the beginning of your kingdom journey. And God intends for your faith to strengthen and your faith to stay appropriated in his gift so you don't you don't keep on missing. And yes, Jesus came to forgive you of all your sin, your past, your present, your future misses. But God intends for your faith to stay appropriated in that gift of grace over and 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 over again. And some of us are not enduring with our faith. We said it with our mouth. But we haven't let God begin to to put that faith and and do the small things to keep that faith strong. And I can tell you right now, if Adam and Eve got distracted in the garden, in that perfect environment, that if you don't, if you're not intentional with your faith, if you're not intentional, you will be easily distracted. And continually miss the mark of God's glorious standard. God made up all the distance in the world. And my friend, if you're sitting here today and you say, well, you know what? I just got to keep on missing. I'm just here to declare to you today. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because God has come and he hit the mark with Jesus, with his glorious standard, and God's spirit will begin to nudge you and show you, you know what, how to keep getting closer 
and closer and closer and improving your game, building your endurance over and over again. You know, and so if I were here today in my life, if I was choosing to keep putting my faith in something besides God, I'd really do a checkup. And say, what is my faith really in? Because it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to have it in your heart and in your soul and believe it. Can you bow your heads, please? God, there's people here today that's depending on their religious countenance to make them right with you. There's people here today that are trying to do more to make themselves right with you. God, there's people here today that have given up totally on you because other things have distracted them. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was a sickness. God, maybe it was a job. Maybe it was something that happened in this world. And God, they have chosen to believe what they have seen over what you have said. God, I don't know where people are in here today. Many of us have chosen to believe in your gift of grace by faith. And God, our faith is enduring. Our faith is growing stronger. But God, we need your help. We need your grace day in and day out. We need your empowerment over and over again. God, so we can stay the course and run this race called life. Because God, the monkeys today are plentiful. And God, I know they're weighing many people down. So God, I pray for endurance for your people today that they could get their faith appropriated in you, a good God, a loving God who cared so much about them that you came from heaven to earth, you put on skin, you paid a high price on a cross and you showed your power and you resurrected from a grave and defeated death itself. God, that everyone in this room today would believe what you did over what they have done. God, and they would trust by faith. That is the way to be made right with God. That is to be the way to be right with you, is to trust in your gift of grace. But God, I pray their faith doesn't waver. Their faith, is, their faith has endurance. And God, they begin to take those small steps and continually be involved. God, continually be empowered and be filled with you each and every day. And God, continually be eternally minded and eternally focused for what is still yet to come. Jesus, thank you for your gift. Thank you for showing us that great love and that amazing power that lifted you from the grave. And if you're here today and you have never appropriated your faith in that gift of grace from God, It doesn't matter how many religious exercises you have done. It doesn't really matter how many times you've gone to church. My friend, the journey starts with getting your faith in the right thing. And it's not you. And it's not your religion. It's 
not anything else but Jesus. Will you trust Jesus today? That's what it means to pray a prayer of salvation. It means talking to God and saying, God, I admit I can't do it on my own. I've missed the mark of your glorious standard. I've sinned. I've misappropriated my faith. And if you want to do that today, just tell God right where you sit. It doesn't matter if you're 78. It doesn't matter if you're 8. Eternal life starts now. It doesn't matter who you came with. Just say right where you are, God, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. And today I need to take my faith, confident hope, assurance in what I have not yet seen, that you are who you say that you are. And I take my faith and I put it in your gift of grace, your favor on humanity, and his name is Jesus. Tell God thank you for his perfection. Tell God thank you for his love. Tell God you would desire to follow him all the days of your life. Tell God, thank you for not only dying and showing great love, but tell God, thank you for demonstrating his amazing power as he elevated him from a grave. Tell God, thank you for this amazing gift of grace. And you want to receive it today in your heart and in your life by faith. And if you said that prayer today, my friend, and you meant it with all of your heart, and you desire to appropriate your faith in that gift of grace, I personally want to say to you today, welcome to God's kingdom and God's family. You have just left the kingdom of darkness and been delivered into the kingdom of light and all the powers and principalities in heaven, the angels are cheering for you. And so I ask those who are believers in this room today to also cheer and clap their hands for you. Praise God.